Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. I love those little Selah moments after the worship. You just really feel the presence of the Lord that begins to settle in the room. And um, I'm going to, tonight, I, I am, it's going to be a little bit unorthodox on how I start this off. And it's really started off out of a, uh, we, we're unpacking spiritual gifts as a, as a campus uh, or as a ministry. Pastor Eddie talked on this for quite a few weeks and was talking on different gifts of the Spirit and on Wednesday nights to when we could uh, begin to open up and talk. The first few weeks we talked about the gift of discerning of spirits and, uh, and then I flowed into the gift of prophecy and that's where I'm at tonight and for those of you that were there, went Wednesday night and Thursday night in Jackson, I mean it was powerful, wasn't it? What you experienced, what you saw, many of you, you saw the, the, the office of a prophet in operation and it's crazy, it's freaky. I mean I just, it's it's of God, you know it's of God, but it's just crazy how that God uses someone and someone can hear. And um, watched person after person as he began to minister to them and uh, somehow the Lord would give him something specific and as he would move into it, then all of a sudden a whole different avenue of, uh, of ministry would take place and then it just went from, it was just amazing. I was just stood amazed. I just was just like, you know, I remember as a little kid watching uh, family work the altars and it's just like you see people get breakthrough and it's like, man, that's so cool to watch people do that. So I was just like a little kid watching him minister and, um, you know, it's not elevating a man beyond what he is, but it's just amazing at the gift that God puts inside of his people to touch others and how he ministered. But uh, a lot of the things that he ministered to, to us and our campus specifically, and um, for whatever reason, it wasn't on the live stream. I don't know what happened there. I think it just kind of maybe, maybe they're personal, they just cut it off or whatever. But um, there was so much that was, even the little small words that he mentioned were confirmations and it was so wild. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But tonight I want to I wanna flow into, I want to talk about the gift of prophecy, but I'm actually going to start off on a, something a little bit different. Uh, and I, and I want to, it's the only gift of prophecy, but I want to start on speak life. I want to call it speak life. And I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, that's actually where I'm going to start. Um, because I feel like that many times when we look at uh, the, gifts, the gift of prophecy, okay? It's not, just because you can prophesy doesn't mean that you're a prophet. And um, the, the gift of prophecy, it's a, it's a charis gift or a grace gift that God gives to you. Um, the, the scripture says in the book of Joel chapter two, it says that, uh, um, that he's gonna pour his spirit out upon all flesh, that your sons and your daughters are gonna prophesy. And well, what is a son and a daughter? Anyone that comes into the kingdom of God, they're sons and daughters. And he says, upon your maidservants and your men servants, all of them, every one of them, and even to the least of these, the 
scripture talks about that they're going to prophesy. We will say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, the book, the, the Holy Spirit's poured out in the book of Acts, and we see that Peter stands up to give the inaugural address to the church because they're looking and they're seeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, and they're looking around like, what does all this mean? It lists that they're perplexed. They're confused. They're amazed. There's all of these words that those observing, and people say, well, they're just speaking in somebody else's language. That's what that is. No, 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 no. Do you think that if you go to the Philippines and I hear somebody speaking English, is that going to draw me? No. There was something to it that drew the masses of the crowds. And after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter stands up and he begins to address. And he says that these are not drunk as you suppose, being it's only the third hour of the day or around 9 o'clock in the morning. He said, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he goes into reading it, what Joel prophesied and said that he was gonna, God was going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Now, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, it talks specifically, it, or, or in verse 1, it says to earnestly seek and desire the, the spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. That's what the word says, prophecy. Now, because maybe your church background, if you're from a different background, um, I, I, I saw certain gifts of the spirit exercised when I was growing up in the church, a lot of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We saw a lot of, you know, gifts of healing, people laying hands upon people and, and getting healed and, and things like that, but not so much prophecy. That was something that I didn't understand a whole lot about, which is why I did a deep dive. But honestly, I just got radical and went after it. I just started, I didn't know you're supposed to do this. I remember reading the scripture. Sure, but I just started calling them out. Father, I'm asking, I'm seeking you for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gift of prophecy, I, gifts of healing, gifts, not one, gifts of healing. Um, and, and I just went through the list and I would call them out and seek God for them. But then I asked for faith to move in them when the, pro, when the opportunity came. People say, well, if prophecy is supposed to be the, the greatest gift, why does he say earnestly desire the best gift? The best gift is whichever one is needed in the moment, okay? But he said, but earnestly, specifically desire that you may prophesy. Because what, what is it about those of us that went to the meeting last week, and we've been in these services before, whenever once someone prophesies to you, and they begin to call out something that you're walking through, but then begin to tell you about what God's got in, in store for you into your future, and then it comes to pass. I was thinking about a lady that attends our church. Uh, she's not here tonight, but a lady that attends our church, she works in a specific field. I won't say what it is, but I was in her area. Uh, I was in her building, so to speak, where she works back in, um, was it November of 20, was it November of, tw November of 2020? I was in her building, I ran into her, we were just having conversation, and then I felt the Lord begin to nudge me something specifically about there's a promotion coming in her job. So I began to say, I don't know what this leads into, and I'm, I'm the guy, I'll, I'll apologize if I missed it. But I told her, I said, I, I, I sense that the Lord is about to give you a promotion in your job. She looked at me, and she's real honest, she said, that's great, Pastor, but I can't see anywhere that, you know, I mean, this sounds great. And I said, but in a year's time, if I'm wrong, I'll apologize, but in a year's time, you're going to see a promotion in your job. It's going to be a pay increase and all of this stuff. And I, some other things I ministered as well. Literally, I forgot about the word. 
she reached out to me through a text message within a few days, I don't know if it was before or after, of when I gave her that word, she received a promotion in her job and she said it came through an avenue I never saw coming. I was talking with someone today and isn't that the way God works? He always functions in a, in a, in a, a lane or a road or an avenue that you never saw and that's where he functions and operates in. So what I'm wanting our community to become is to become a prophetic community, not a weird community, because I've seen some prophetic people and they get, now, some of them are strange in general. I can be strange myself. But it's not about being strange. It's honestly about looking and seeing that there's gold in every person that we come in contact with. Listen, we've said it before. The dirt's easy to find on somebody. I don't want to air somebody's dirty laundry because God reveals something to me spiritually. I'm not looking to do that. I'm looking to call gold and say, wait a second. That's not, what is that going to do to anybody? I mean, what, what, is that going to exhort anybody? Is that going to edify anybody? So the gift of prophecy is not for, uh, it's not specifically for direction and guidance, but it's actually for exhortation, comfort, and edification, which is three things Paul lays out. Now, the office of a prophet guides and directs, okay? You got me on that? Scriptural, that's pulled scripturally from, from, from Scripture. So anyway, I want to read this first, and I want to take a moment and break this apart. Not long at all. But in Ezekiel 37, I love this because I feel like that this paints a picture for those of us, especially if I could say it prophetically speaking over our region. Because how many of us right now, when you hear Ezekiel 37, you know what it's about. It's about the valley of dry bones. And the scripture says, start off, and it says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. First off, it wasn't of his own devices. It wasn't his own desires. God himself directed, so to speak. And that's honestly the gift of prophecy. The spirit of the Lord is in you and it directs you. It's not a prophesy at will. I believe that it's times when it comes least expected, the times that I have prophesied to people and even those that I've talked with about the gift of prophecy. Is this a spiritually uh, uh, directed gift as the gifts of the spirit are? I believe that there is, there's, there's moments, there's kairos moments Moments, those God opportune times whenever we're, we're in conversation with somebody and all of a sudden here it comes and you begin to flow in it and you can tell when it's coming. You feel, maybe it's a word, maybe it's a phrase that you get and you know I'm about to start prophesying to somebody. And as you begin to speak it and God begins to move, but again, he said that I was brought out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was, it was full of bones he led me back and forth among them. So he took some time and began to walk through the valley. I don't know if the valley was dry or if grass was growing up, but it's just this valley full of thousands upon 10,000s of bones, a morbid sight to see. How many of us right now in our region, in our jobs, that we're walking among the graves, so to speak, of dead bones? They're dry. People are so dry. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for solutions. They're confused. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They're disappointed. But we have the answer. We have something inside of us that I think it was the Apostle Paul that said that uh, be ready to give an answer. No, it's Peter. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that's inside of you. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. That's the answer that people are looking for. And everybody wants to know what God thinks about them. That's why when a prophet does come to town, they come out of the woodworks, man. Everybody comes out looking for a word because they want to know what God thinks. But God's given you an invitation to a place called closet where you walk into a secret place and you begin to pray and seek and he begins to speak. He goes on to say, 
He led me back and forth. He said, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Well, let me ask you a question. When God asks you, and this is, we've heard this said before, but when God asks you a question, is he looking for an answer? It's always to identify where you are. Where is your faith? When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, when God gives you something, he shows you something extravagant. Like I remember not too long, well, it's been a little bit longer than not too long ago, probably three or four years ago, whenever the Lord began to speak to me about blowing my mind what he was getting ready to do. When God began to deal with me specifically about when he told me, I've, I've given you this region. I remember seeing the vision. I saw it. And I saw in my mind's eye seeing the angel with the big ring and the skeleton keys on it, not knowing how many was on that. And he was just shaking it right there in front of my face. And he was saying, it's yours. It belongs. It's, it's yours. It's not an arrogance thing, I'm telling you. But it just knew that we, we, we have access. God has given access to us to see the city changed. And I, I remember journaling that, but then thinking to myself, now that's crazy. But then it gets confirmed. Out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established. And as it gets confirmed in me, and then I step back and I start looking at all my journal entries that I've wrote that I felt like God spoke to me, completely shifted and changed. And now I'm looking back over it with a different lens. Because prophecy, you do have to have the right lens. The gift of prophecy, you better have the right lens. You can't minister from a place of bitterness, unforgiveness, and wounds, church hurt, uh, family relational hurt. It has to be pure. I understand we have our context, but get your context right. Make sure that you're seeing it correctly. I think it was A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing that we can do as believers is to see God rightly, to see him as he truly is, right? So he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel responds to him. He says, you're God, you're sovereign. Only you know. Great response, Ezekiel. But he wasn't looking for a yes and no answer. He was checking to see, Ezekiel, where's your faith? Where's your obedience? And he said, he said to me, prophesy, speak life. Look at somebody beside you and say, speak life. Say it with honesty, speak life. Not just in prophecy, you need to start speaking life every day. Some of us are speaking death every day. We're speaking death over our jobs. We're cursing the place that we are. I, I, this, is, this hit me personally. Been a few years ago. This hit me personally. I was thinking about these people that, and I remember I graduated with a bunch, man, I'm ready to get out of this place. I'm ready to blow this popsicle stand, you know, all that stuff. Get out of here. And so I, I, ne I never had that heart. I don't know why. I, just, I guess I'm good with where I'm at. I'm good in Galilee. I guess I could say it that way. I'm good with where I'm at. And so I, I watched and the, even through the years, and then I got to the point where I was like, man, God, I've been praying for you to do something specifically in this region. Are you going to do anything? I, and so you get a little bit discouraged. You're not seeing the things that you would think you need to see because our perception is always humanistic. God has his own timing. And, and so there was a phrase that God began to deal with my heart. And he says, if you curse where you are, AJ, you've already cursed where you're going. You can't curse where you stand and expect to walk into blessing. If God's called you somewhere, you stay. You walk out the process, be content, stinks. I'm not talking about that. I just, I like to, I like to spend money. I like to buy stuff. And Chris is like, you need to be content with what you got. So I just wanted people to, I'm content with where I'm at in church. Okay, so side note. For those of you that pick that up, you can check the podcast. I said it really fast so I can just get it out and it's, it's truth, okay? All right. So, but 
you got to be content with where you are. And so when I look through this and I see what God's beginning to do in this region and I begin to see all this stuff, God is looking to raise up. He's looking to gather in a harvest so that he can equip sons and daughters with gifts of the Spirit that actually function and have a foundation of the fruit of the Spirit because God is more committed to your fruit than he is your gift. Hello? Your gift is good, but he's wanting to see what you can actually establish, establish yourself and become in character. And so that the gift of prophecy is functioning out of a place of purity and integrity and character, love. It's not filtered through hatred or a political slant, uh-oh, or it's not filtered through a religious type of background, but it's actually pure. You've come to the word of God and actually sought it for yourself and not to seek what some man has told you. Check everything I say with yourself, by the way. You read the word for yourself, but it's actually filtered right. And he tells Jeremiah, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Some of you pull up to your job, pull up to that next job that you're pulling up to, whatever it is. And before you get out of the parking lot, just begin to prophesy over those dry bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord and make a declaration over it. You will live again. You will live. So many times, and listen, I get it. It sounds crazy and a little bit Christian cliche. We've heard this preached so many times. And familiarity is very dangerous, by the way, right? We become familiar with God who we barely know. Let's not do that. It's a dangerous place to be. But when I pull up to my job, pull the scripture and say, dry bones, that person that ticks you off in your job or in the checkout line, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord and just begin to speak. Speak life. Speak life over this region. God has given sons and daughters the gift of prophecy. I believe it. I believe that he's given every, we're called to prophesy. And as he begins to speak, he says, dry bones hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. He goes through this whole process. And in verse seven, he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. See, the problem is, as Prophet Lloyd said last week, so many times we do it one time and we stop. We stop. We stop making our declarations. We've heard what God has spoken to us individually, but we've not stepped into fullness and continued. Don't stop just because you haven't seen anything happen the first time. Continue to prophesy until you start hearing bones rattle. Prophesy until things start to shake. Prophesy until things start to move. Call those things, though they're not, as though they are. Well, Pastor Rage, I don't understand prophecy. I'm going to get into it. Give me just a few moments. Get, get in word, find scripture, and start declaring scripture. I don't care if you don't feel it. Prophesy it anyway. You know what? I've never raised anybody from the dead, but I'm not, not going to preach about it because Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. I've cast out plenty of devils. I've healed a lot of people that are sick through the Holy Spirit by Jesus, but I've never raised anybody from the dead. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to preach it. You with me? Prophesy to the breath, or that's prophesy to the wind. I love that. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath, come wind from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Here's what I'm telling y'all and I'm fixing to launch right into what I'm talking about a little bit deeper and actually get a little bit more practical. He says, prophesy into those that are slain that they may live. How, and, I, and I reiterate that, how many people are walking around us, walking dead around us right now that 
they don't have a relationship with the Lord and everyone identifies them by their dysfunction and by their past. Well, you're the one that used to be the whatever. You're the one that you had the you, you, whatever. Whatever their past is, we always tie to their past. I mean, you understand that whenever son of Timaeus, which is Bar, Timaeus, son of Timaeus, we don't even know the, the dude's name. We just know that it was Timaeus' son. That when he's healed, the scripture still identifies him as he called him blind Bartimaeus. But it doesn't identify him by his new name. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying the scripture's wrong. I'm just saying, what was his name after transformation? Jesus heals him. No doubt he had a new name. Peter had a new name because Jesus prophesied to Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, your name is now Peter, which means rock. He changed his name because Peter was able to identify with who he was. And so he prophesies and calls gold from him. Well, he was a foul-mouthed fisherman. That's what he was. But prophecy is about having a love for every person you come in contact. And that is hard. Oh, God, that's hard. I, I look at Jesus, just a side note, and I think every person that he come in contact with, there was this furious love for. Think about it. Every person, even the religious sect, that he struggled and he detested from time to time because it was, he was fully man, but yet he was still fully God, right? And he read right through him. The scripture says he knew the hearts of all men. Now, we don't know the hearts of all men. We prophesy in part, which means we see in part. So when we receive a prophetic word, we're not trying to give somebody the whole puzzle. We're giving them a piece that confirms what they already know. You with me? So if I could say this and get very prim and proper, it's very incumbent upon the church to embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit and seek Press to know these things. Dig into your word, get into your closet, and say, God, we've got to have them. They've got to be functioning in my household. Not only in the church, in the house. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gift of discerning of spirit, gifts of healing. Listen, pray in tongues, pray through until the glory of God comes. I'm telling you, I, I think about the, uh, my co our cousin that lives right across from, anyway, this lady... Um, that, that had leukemia. And there was already faith stirred. I just went and tipped it over and God did the rest and she was healed of leukemia. I believe with all of my heart that if we can just walk in faith, begin to believe what the word says it is, believe it and, 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 and enforce it into these moments and situations we come into, that we'll start seeing things we've never seen before. I gotta keep moving. Okay, anyway, so... When Paul talks about that we are called to earnestly seek and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, I'm going to say a bold statement. Could it be that any believer who's not interested in or is not seeking prophecy is really ignoring a, script, a scriptural exhortation? Paul exhorts us to pursue it in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Coming out of what we just read, the valley of dry bones as an encouragement to the people of God to begin to prophesy, see the gold in the people around you, see life and not see death. Again, it's easy to find dirt on everybody, 
But the gold is what you have to prospect for. You have to mine for. And you have to, you have to really see, look and see. Every, it's hard, I know, I, I get it. But to see every person as God sees them. And that is uh, as a son or a daughter. We honor them in that, that they're created in the image of God. Um, so, again, three purposes that we've talked about, about the gift of prophecy. And then I'll tell you about how uh, that you can move into that. The first one is this, obviously edify. Do you know the word edify? It's an old school term that we've heard before. But um, anybody ever heard of the term edifice? Right? Anybody? What does that mean? It means building. Well, Paul says... To edify, when you pro- the gift of prophecy, which is not the office of a prophet, it's the gift of prophecy, which is given divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit inside of you, that all of a sudden you can foretell or call forth something from someone that they already know, but yet it pulls them even closer to God. That's what the gift of prophecy is. And edify, which means to build up. An edifice is a building, or we're called, when we prophesy, we're edifying, we're building people up. Now, it makes people more effective as members of the body of Christ in whatever particular ministries they have. Whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're greeting, I don't care if you're outside, you're working in a specific job, can you keep your ears open to hear what God said? Now, I wouldn't walk up to somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. I got my own opinion about some of those things anyway. I know I understand it's what you were raised in, but there's a lot of prophets and prophetesses right now that are thus saith in the Lord that God's not saying those things, and it's, it, it's frustrating to me, and I have to keep my attitude in check because I, I think it's important. We, we don't just toss out God says, God says, God says, unless you're actually walking in a relationship with the Lord, and even then you've got to be careful, right? But, but God is calling us whatever facet of life that we're in. I don't care if we're, if we're in school. I don't care if we're working in a body shop. I don't care if we're working whatever the manufacturing plant is that we've got to be aware. It's just awareness, right, Brian? Walking in awareness, cultivating intimate relationship with God. And then as I walk into my job, I'm aware, constantly aware. God is, he's always speaking. Jesus was the word. He can't help but speak and listening you got to cultivate and have an ear to hear, but to edify and to build up. The second thing is exhortation. He says to exhort, edify, build them up, but also exhort them. What does exhort mean? It means to stimulate, to encourage. Does that mean, do you see condemnation or shame in anybody or guilt in anybody? Some of you, how many of you, maybe from an old school church, but how many of you have ever heard somebody prophesy and it's shame and guilt and, and it's like calling out dirty laundry? Anybody? Anybody in the room? You can lift your hand. I just want to see it. Okay, we got a few in here. We, listen, that's not what this gift is for. That is not what this gift is for. Somebody was ignorant or either ignorance is that you didn't know or they were stupid. They knew they just did it anyway, and they'll have to give an answer for that. Can I say that for you, those of you that were wounded by that gift? They'll give an answer for that. That's why that I, I want to make sure that when I am prophesying to somebody, I'm very cautious in separate, uh, veins that I feel like God is leading me into, uh, that I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't tread on that. It's like with childbirth, praying over people and declaring, hey, you're, you know, I'm not a prophet. I'm just, but I feel strongly God's going to bless them. And, and then when God does that, that's great and that's wonderful. It humbles you to know that God can use you in that way. Like literally, I, I remember the first time God used me in the gift of prophecy, I wept. I would think about it. I'd be on the job mixing mortar with, with your dad. I'd be out there at the mixer and I'd just be weeping. God, I cannot believe you would use me. I, I mean, like I want to say my, before I came to Jesus, I just felt like I was just a hypocrite on, on all facets. 
but you just, you're humbled by God using you, putting his hand upon you because doing what you feel unqualified to do, what does that do? That qualifies you. That qualifies you to step into something. So you exhort, and it doesn't include condemnation. It is to, to encourage, to admonish, to stir up, to draw people closer to God. Condemnation is the work of the devil. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Now, conviction, we've seen white-knuckle conviction in churches. Y'all ever seen that before? People, they're so convicted, they're just white-knuckled on the back of the seat. I'm not looking. I'm not look, I got my earplugs. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm not listening. You know, y'all have seen those people. I know y'all getting up and going to the bathroom. during. The, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. It better be real. Now, but I, I get it. It's the, condom, it's the conviction of the Holy. Why? Because he's, he's trying to pull you in. Condemnation pushes. That's the devil's work. Holy Spirit convicts. And words, prophetic words coming through those of us that sons and daughters that have a heart and a filter of love for the people of God to build up, to edify, to exhort, it, it, may, it may bring con- conviction because maybe, maybe someone calls you and says, hey, um, I see this crazy potential inside of you of what God is wanting to do in you. And, and he's just looking for full surrender, just for example. And you get that word, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, I'm not living anywhere close to what he's talking about. But something about this makes me want to get right with the Lord. Like that, that's conviction, right? It draws me closer. That's the way it's supposed to operate and function. And so many people is like, well, I don't understand how to, how, does it encourage? Does it exhort? Does it edify? Does it build up? Now, if you feel the gifting and the office of a prophet, that's a different conversation. I'm not talking about that tonight, but that's a different conversation. And there's a deeper dive and a deeper study, which I'm actually really diving into myself to figure out because I just want to know the fivefold. That is the foundation of the church. You got it? Fivefold ministry. He gave them as gifts to the church. He gave gifts to the people of God to function, but the fivefold ministry is actually, okay, I'm, I don't want to go deep into that. Y'all getting confused. I don't want you to get you confused. All right, and the last thing is to comfort. Prophetic words bring comfort. Prophetic words bring comfort. Not discouragement, not condemnation, not guilt. They bring comfort. That's the three things Paul lays out that are orderly in giving prophetic words to the people of God. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. True prophecy never brings condemnation. I said it before, that is not a genuine manifestation of the Holy Spirit. God isn't the author of confusion, nor does the Holy Spirit minister condemnation at any point to the people of God. Okay? And the Holy Spirit does not leave people feeling terrible. He will convict you, and you may feel terrible, but he will not condemn you and make you feel like I'm worthless, right? You're coming into the presence of a good God, the Father of life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from what? The Father of lights. God gives gifts to the church, not for some building up of a personal ministry, but for the purpose of encouraging, edifying, letting people step into destiny like I have prophesied so much to, to some of the youth and some of you people into the room, the potential and the things that God is going to do in your life, but you're responsible to fulfill that. It's, it's, uh, it's a conditional word, right? So it's to build up, to edify, to, to, to all that good stuff. True prophesying does not serve the devil's purpose. Okay, I'm giving you a few of these important points. It undoes the devil's work and the devil's purpose. You with me? If so-called prophesying condemns and discourages, it is the devil's work, period. 
Two of Satan's greatest and most frequently used weapons to the people of God is condemnation and discouragement. If he can get you disappointed, he's got you. A lot of people are discouraged. They, they feel worthless in the body of Christ, but I pray to God that it's not here. That everyone that walks under the sound of my voice and walks through these doors, I believe as long as there's breath in your body, there's still lots of purpose inside of you. The only ones that don't are six feet under. It's a lot of untapped potential there. Um, Billy Graham made a statement. He said that God never uses a discouraged man or a woman. I, I tend to agree with that. Now, maybe they're still used to a certain degree, but I, I can believe it because a discouraged person isn't under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So for me to be a discouraged person and then prophesy, it's dangerous. Remember, you have to give an account for the word that you give. Every word that you speak, you're, you're, you're accountable for. I want to see the body of Christ. I want to see Savannah Campus become a prophetic culture. A prophetic culture, which means that you might walk in the door and somebody walks up to you and they don't have to say, you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord, okay, or God says, but God may give you one snippet, a phrase. God may, there was a guy, uh, I remember we were at a conference and there was a guy in front of me, which probably shouldn't have done it in the moment, but I really, I did it. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a conference. A guy was in front of me. He had, his wife was with him. Uh, she was pregnant. And I don't know, this was so strange, but the Lord, I, I was just, as I was worshiping, all I could see was this guy. He was just highlighted. I can't tell you when I say highlighted, it wasn't like there were, all the lights was in the room and then this guy's here. It wasn't that. But it was just like, man, I couldn't, like, he was in front of me worshiping. And, and I just, I don't know, I just couldn't get away from, from that sounds bad. I couldn't get away from looking at him, all right? So he wasn't a handsome guy, I'll just put it that way. <laughs> it makes you feel better. But I, I got a phrase and said, fear of death. And so I knew in the moment he was scared they were gonna lose their baby. That's just what I knew. I knew it by the Holy Spirit. And I felt the presence of God. So I leaned over to him. And again, when I say it probably wasn't done in order because, I mean, it's a conference with like hundreds of people. So who would have known, you know? Uh, but I just leaned forward in front of him and I said, hey man, and the music's kicking and it was a little bit louder than that, but it was loud enough to where you could hear it. I said, I said hey man, I just wanna let you know your baby's gonna be good. Everything's gonna be all right. He broke. His wife was already in the altar. He went to the altar and he was on his face and he was weeping. Of course, there's all kinds of people. But it was just something in that moment, you, you're just aware. And sometimes the highlighting can come in different ways. It may be somebody in your family. It could be a dream, but definitely filter all of your dreams and all of your visions through prayer, okay? Don't just get, oh, I got it. I got direction. And then you ate Mexican last night, you know? It's like everybody can do that. Filter it through intercession. Every word, every dream. Test the spirit. Test the vision. Test the dream. Make sure. And the scariest thing is, is when you get a prophetic word, I know I'm kind of taking a, a different approach. Every prophetic word I've ever, like, it's like when we were Thursday in Jackson, when he began to prophesy, I was like, oh, man, I know what this means. <laughs> hey, I need some intercession. I need some prayer. I called up some intercession. I said, pray for me because I just got a word and I know what that's going to mean. That means that every word of the Lord has to be tested. You want to know why? Because it's hidden from the enemy. He can't see that. That's the potential. And so it's in eternity. You got me? I'm fixing to take you somewhere. So you with me? Hang with me for just a moment. Because God, even he does, he created time for us to dwell in. But that word is hidden from him and he can't see the assignment. He just knows something special about your life. But when that word comes out of eternity and it's coming through 
the mouth of a prophet, the mouth of, of a son or a daughter, and it prophesies. It comes from eternity, and it comes into time. Now it's visible. And if the word, at that point, the word is tested. So what happens is you experience the chaos of the word that comes. It can be chaos because that word brings alignment, because your life was in disarray previously, or, are you with me? I hadn't lost you, have I? Okay, somebody's like, yep. (laughs) But that word comes out of eternity, and it comes into time. Now the enemy sees, and now the enemy hears. Now he brings attack. Because he's like, holy, this is going to get rough. My kingdom is about to fall in this specific area. So he pulls attack. He's not omnipresent. You with me? Satan is not omnipresent, and he's not greater than Jesus. It's not God versus Satan. I mean, it's one breath, and he's done, okay? He's already defeated, which means that he has no feet, right? No, okay. He's defeated. The devil's defeated. Some of y'all are falling asleep on me, so I'm trying to catch you. That's the importance. When you get a prophetic word and God speaks to you, if it's not tested, you better, I'm not sure if it's from God because the word has to be tested, right? I hope that makes sense. This is vital to understand. If an influence, a suggestion, or a message that comes into my life and I receive it that has an effect of discouraging me, please do not attribute it to the Holy Spirit. That's not him. Be careful of the words that you receive if you don't bear witness with. I'm looking at you guys. I mean, y'all, are, y'all, y'all function in this. Y'all, y'all are prayer warriors, and I'm thankful for you guys. And listen, it's only... The impact, the measure of the impact, the prayers, the songs, the devotions that you guys are stirring up right now, yeah, you've stirred up a lot. You stirred up a lot. There's angels on assignments. Demons are on assignments as well. But none of the, web, none of the assignments of the enemy are going to succeed. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. I see it as just like God has just put a shield. It's a giant shield. And I see it as a shield wall of angels that's around your home. I'm telling you guys. There's a special assignment God has for y'all. It really is. It's very special. I know in part because we talked a little bit today. But I'm saying I, I'm just wanting to encourage you. Keep pressing. Just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing in. Press until you break through. You know how to do that. Keep pressing until you break through. Y'all both know how to do that. But it's, it, it's, it's where the enemy would like to wear you out, specifically whenever you receive a word from the Lord from somebody, but be cautious on the words that you do receive. If you don't bear witness with it, you better, you better say, I don't receive it. Just confess it for me. I don't receive it. I don't receive it. I don't receive it. I'm going to be prophesying to somebody on a Wednesday night, but I don't receive it. I don't receive it. I don't receive it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I give you two different sides of the spectrum because people always ask about prophecy what about Old Testament what about New Testament just for a few more moments Demetri if you would come Old Testament prophecy you, don't, you understand it changed at the cross Old Testament prophecy look at, see, look at prophets in New Testament look at Agabus what did Agabus do? Did he prophesy judgment? No. He gave a warning. He didn't prophesy judgment. He prophesied warning. He came to Paul and he said, hey, the man that wears this belt, his hands are going to be tied. He didn't prophesy judgment. Some people might think that's judgment, but that was the assignment of God that Paul had on his life to go to Rome. He also prophesied that a famine was coming. That's a warning. He didn't say that the, this nation is going to be judged. He didn't do that. 
Old Testament, prophets came to judge people. New Testament, prophets judge the word. Out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established, right? Now, this may mess with some people, but I'm just looking scripturally, okay? Old Testament prophecy, they receive the word. New Testament prophecy, they perceive the word. Why? Because it's in them. The Spirit of Christ is in us, right? Old Testament prophecy, they weren't the temple. New Testament prophecy, you are the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. New Testament, he dwells, right? Are you with me? I hope that makes sense. I'm just pulling scripture. Um, so how is it that I prophesy? How do you prophesy? Is that the question everybody's asking, possibly? First off is you have to desire it, which means that I seek it. I pray for it. God, I'm asking you for the gift of prophecy. I'm serious. It's simple as that. God, I'm asking you. Te- Holy Spirit, teach me. I ask him all the time. Teach me how to do something. Teach me how to prophesy. Teach me the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the most important thing. Teach me that. Teach me how to do it. Ask him. Then I step into communion. It's prayer. I simple. I get it. Commune daily and build intimacy. It's not about using a gift. It's about getting to know the giver. And as you get to know him, you get to know his heart. And as you walk into situations, you start shifting it because you're, you're revealing his heart. That's expanding kingdom. Gift of prophecy calls those things as though they're not, as though they are. It may not manifest in you, but we not, Bobby, we may not even see the potential that's inside of you, but it can be revealed by the Holy Spirit. I can reach into that through words, pull it out of your heart, make you see it, and then people come around you and say, hey, wait a second, I know you're going through a rough time. Let me encourage you, Bobby. Remember what he said. Remember what the pastor said. Remember what they told you. You got it in you, and it just it lifts you up. But it's to reach in and pull it out. When you pray, you connect with the heart of God. All of a sudden, you begin to catch his heart. I mean, as simple as that. God isn't just looking to impart information to you. He's looking for a relationship with you. That's what he wants. Journal what you hear. So desire, pray, commune with God daily. The next one is lots of scripture. Read scripture, but don't read it for information. Read it from a place of hungry and desperation. Read it from a place of beholding. God, I'm coming to behold. I know it's old school. God, I'm coming to behold your face today. How can I catch a glimpse of your beauty? How can I catch a glimpse of your goodness? How can I receive from you today so that I can relay your heart, so that I can represent who you are to wherever I go, that I can speak life over dead bones, that I can call life into situations where there's death. You have to take the word into your spirit so you can minister it out of your spirit. You can't prophesy if the word's not in you, right? The value that you put on the written and the spoken or the prophetic word of God determines the power that you receive from it. How much value do you put on it? Well, I'm just looking for a word. How much value did you put on the last word that you were able to fulfill it? I'm just saying, because I'm talking to myself. How much value do I put on what God is speaking over me right now? God is, you know, the word says that 
I read it this morning that God is singing songs of deliverance over me right now. Did you know that? He's doing that right now. Psalm 20, 33. He's singing songs. He's surrounding me with songs of deliverance. Maybe it's Psalm 25. That's what he thinks about you right now, that he's singing over you right now. So I read scripture daily, get it into my spirit so that when I walk into a situation where somebody's in an impossible moment where their marriage is collapsing, that I can look into that devil that's afflicting, that spirit of division that's working in that marriage, and I can say, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because you've been found out. God says this marriage is going to make it. God says that he's called life over this marriage. There's people, there's couples coming up underneath your covering that's going to be saved. They're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered. I'm telling you, God's looking for bold people. He's looking for people that are intimates. He's not looking for the big name and the flashy. He's looking for faithful, day-by-day people that'll show up in a prayer closet and say, God, I here I am to behold you again and to burn. And that's the people that you're going to see rise to the forefront that don't want a stage. They just want to see Jesus' name be made famous. That's it. That's what they want. And that's what's going to happen here. I declare it in the name of Jesus. God is not raising up a group of people that's looking to say, I go to a large, nice, debt-free building, but I'm going to a church where people are burning, man. They're, they're on fire. They're intimate worshipers of Jesus. You come in contact with one of them. They'll pray over you. They'll prophesy over you. They'll call things to life in you that's been dead for years. Some of you in this room, can I just give you a word? Your dreams have died. The dream that you've had for your future, it doesn't look anything like it's supposed to look like because it's died. You want to know what? You know what I've learned though? If you will submit that dead Lazarus unto the hands of God. What I have found out is that when God brings a resurrection there's a power that comes with it and that dream will revive. I prophesy over you. I don't know who you are but that dream will revive and every time something revives or every time something resurrects it resurrects in glory. So there's a glorious dream that's going to resurrect out of your life and God is calling you back, back to the potter's will, back to the place where he can form, back to the place where he can shape and begin to remove some draws off of the top so that you become purified as silver, like purified silver, purified gold. God is shaping and he's forming. I'm telling you, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God and let him process. The dream is coming back better. Some of you have dreams about businesses, thriving, flourishing, growing businesses, and it's died. But the Lord, I'm just telling you, God is going to, it's dead. Give it to God. Let God have it. Wait on him. I'm telling you, I go back. It's the Lazarus. It's a Lazarus dream. You buried it. Go ahead and let God have it and let him see what he'll do with it. The last thing is after scripture reading, be accountable. Get yourself around people. Get yourself around relationships that have your best interest. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.